Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your hey, Andrew. Hello there, Edwin. I know you need to get out of the studio and get home, so let's get this conversation started. Not before I say happy Friday. <laughs> It is Friday. It's exciting. That's exactly right. And if you're in the Tampa area, we want to meet you and want you to come by and worship with us at Livingston. All the information you need about that is found at our website, christiansmeethere.org. I'm super excited because recently we actually got a phone call from someone who said, I'm wanting to find a church home, didn't have a ride. Would you guys come and pick me up? And we do that. And we do that. For we, those in the Tampa area. Well, that's exactly right. I, there, there's probably a limit on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're not yeah. going to Jacksonville. but uh, well, I was thinking Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing that either. But if you're in the Tampa area, we will work it out. We want to help you. That's yeah, right. We absolutely right. do. So we've been talking about Psalm 21 this yep, week. Yep. I want to, actually, I don't want to wrap up the conversations today, but today is the day we wrap them up. And it's much... We're on a much higher note than the last couple of days. Sure. We're going to, I really want to talk about the final verse. It's of a this great psalm. verse. But let's read the New International Version of the entirety of Psalm 21 and let's, let's pay special attention to the final statement. O Lord, the King rejoices in your strength. How great is his joy in the victories you give. You have granted him the desire of his heart and have not withheld the request of his lips. You welcomed him with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked you for life and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. Through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You have bestowed on him splendor and majesty. Surely you have granted Granted him eternal blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord. Through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Your hand will lay hold on all your enemies. Your right hand will seize your foes. At the time of your appearing, you will make them like a fiery furnace. In his wrath, the Lord will swallow them up and his fire will consume them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth, their posterity from mankind. Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they cannot succeed. For you will make them turn their backs when you aim at them with drawn bow. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your might. Sing and praise your might. So with the new King James, we will sing and praise your power. But I can't help but notice that this psalm does come around and end in a very similar note to where it begins. Because as you read so well just a moment ago, the king shall have joy in your strength, O Lord. There is a rejoicing in the strength of God. And then at the end, a praising of the power of God. The Lord, be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. Right there at the beginning, at the end, we call that an inclusio. Yes, we do. That's that's your special term for the day, well, inclusio. That's why Go people, use that in a sentence. That's why people listen to text talk, because we <laughs> give them all the trade secrets here. Yeah, absolutely. So it begins and ends with this, this discussion of the strength of the Lord. At the beginning, it's the king rejoicing. At the end, it's all of us that's right. rejoicing. Because, of course, the king represents. Mm -hmm. The king leads. When our king is victorious, our army is victorious. When our army is victorious, we are victorious. And so we find this joy mm -hmm. in the strength of the Lord. But what I specifically notice is how this is expressed 
by us, okay. by the we in the final verse of 13. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. So the king exalts and rejoices in your strength. Now, Lord, we ask you to be exalted in it. And here's what we're going to do. We will sing and praise your might. How perfect for the book of Psalms. It says we will sing. We will sing. We're going to sing and praise your might. Lord, when we consider the works of your hands, when we consider the victories, the deliverances, the salvation, when we consider the blessings that you have brought down upon us, how can we do anything but sing? It's what we have been made to do. I I think about that, that God has empowered us and crafted us with this voice, with this mouth. You know, James talks about a tongue, and unfortunately it can be divided, that both blessings and cursings proceed from the same place. But the intent, the design is for blessings, for praise, and for song to God. We're made for this. We are made for this. God has designed us to be able to sing. He has designed us as the instrument that can mm-hmm. produce this praise and, and lift it up to him in this beautiful way. Though, of course, look, it's not about how beautiful it is. It's not about if I'm very talented at it. It's not about if I, you know, I tried to go do a concert if anybody else would want to hear it. God wants to hear it, and God deserves to hear it. Oh, he absolutely deserves to hear it. And and what you said right there, I think, is one of the great things that maybe hinders worshipers and Christians here in the West or here in the States, and, and that is this idea that only the best singers ought to be singing. Mm. It's such a cultural notion. You know, in, in other cultures, people just think, well, you, you sing, we all sing. Mm. There's these folk chants and folk songs. And I mean, if you're a person, you sing. That's just part of it. Here we like to grade people and we like to put people on stage with spotlights. And well, now that's a singer. I can never be a singer. But that's uh, very much a cultural construct. And what I find here in this psalm is is a is a concept. In fact, when I was reading and prepping for our discussion of this psalm, I came across in one of the commentaries a song that I had never heard before or seen, though I did find out it's actually in the songbook that we use. We've just not sung it yet. I hope hope maybe we start. Maybe we'll learn it. But uh, this was from Bullock's commentary, the Teach the Text commentary series, and he referenced a song by a guy named Robert Lowry, and the name of it is, How Can I Keep From Singing? Well, that's a great question. And, And I think that that's what this final verse in Psalm 21, it's the question that it should cause us to ask. Mm-hmm. When I consider what God has done, mm-hmm. when I consider the the victory that God has wrought, mm-hmm. how can I keep from singing? And I'd like to I'd like to read at least yeah. this, this poetic version. This is not exactly the same version as we have in our songbook, but but listen to this. I've rearranged it a little bit from what he had in his in his um, commentary just to make the flow a little bit better. But here we go. My life flows on in endless song above earth's lamentation. I hear the clear, though far off hymn that hails a new creation. No storm can shake my inmost calm while to that rock I'm clinging. Since Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? What though my joys and comforts die, I know my Savior liveth. What though the darkness gather round, songs in the night. He giveth. Through all the tumult and the strife, I hear that music ringing. It finds an echo in my soul. How can I keep from singing? The peace of Christ makes fresh my heart, a fountain ever springing. All things are mine since I am his. How can I keep from singing? That's fantastic. And 
one of the things that causes me to recognize is when I come back to the psalm we're reading today, Psalm 21, Yeah. this this final statement of we will sing and praise your might really ought to be stronger in you and me than it was in David. Mm. It ought to be stronger in you and me than it was in the children of Israel that saw David coming back from victory. I mean, it's a great thing to send your king off to war and for him to win and to come back and to still be alive and to be victorious. But our king, who is the ultimate fulfillment of this psalm, because once again, we find statements in the psalm that could not be literally true of David. And and what 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 can be said of David figuratively and in exaggeration can be said of our king literally. Namely, that part about going to live forever and ever. Our King Jesus. Our King Jesus does live forever and ever. He is alive. He came back forth from the dead. He was resurrected, mm-hmm. whereas David is still there. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're not talking about—I know we're going to mix some concepts here. I'm not just talking about some type of eternal life, though— Obviously, David is going to get that. He is going to have that. But in the in the original psalm, it was the idea that we we sent him out asking God to keep him alive through this battle, and he did. And we're praising that like right. it is eternal life. Right. Jesus is the author of eternal life. This live forever and ever is exactly what he gets because of his victory over death. It's because of Jesus that that can be said about any of us. And so... We today have more reason to sing than than anyone before Jesus Christ, than David, the Israelites. How can I keep from singing? Let me give you another one. So these songs, particularly in these oral cultures and the ancient cultures, were to rehearse the deeds of God, mm. to rehearse the deeds, the mighty deliverances. And so it was a way to remind the people, but also to instruct the next generation of who God is and what he has done. The mighty deeds of God, the mighty strength of God calls for a song. And so in in whatever um, you know respect, whatever the battle, right, that God has delivered in this place, well, then let's have a song about this and let's let the people know and rejoice and remember. And then when we think about what God has accomplished through Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have something to sing about. Let's recount those deeds. When Moses and Israel crossed the Red Sea, they write and sing a song. Yes. When Deborah and Barak defeat the enemies, they write and sing a song. When we get to the end of David's life and he considers all of the victories, Psalm 18, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, he writes and sings a song. And what we recognize is that our God deserves our uplifted, unified, harmonious voices singing and proclaiming his praises. In the book of Revelation, they sing a new song, and this is reflective of the great work of Christ. The lamb that was slain now lives. Pet peeve. Here's here's one of my pet peeves, and I know this is look low hanging fruit. I'm not the only preacher that ever says this, but boy, it it just grates on me, Andrew, when someone says, "I'm not going to go to church." I'm quotes there. Go to church this week. It's just a singing. It's just a singing. And look, you know what? I appreciate the fact that you want to come hear me preach, that if if there's going to be a sermon, you want to be there. I appreciate that. I I really do. But please, I'm, I'm begging you to realize what you are saying when you say, I'm not going to go because it's just, just a singing. Yeah. You are not actually commenting on your ability to sing. You are not actually commenting on your congregation's ability to sing. You're, you're not... 
here's what you're commenting on. You're commenting on the worth of the work of God. Yeah. Because when we say, I'm not going to go because it's just singing, what we are actually saying is, my God doesn't deserve that. Yeah. What's really more important is I'd rather spend the hour cutting the grass or watching TV or paying the bills. I mean, even if you're going to work, I, but, but when you say, I don't want to go because it's just singing, what you are actually saying is my God isn't worth that. And I want you to know our God is worth that. He is worth it. And he has ordained singing and for his people to sing for him. That's important. Yeah, it's it's really a comment really about a, a, an understanding of worship or perhaps a misunderstanding of worship. And that is, well, I just uh, assemble for worship to get something out of it. I got to be getting, getting, getting as opposed to giving. And while there is, you know, learning and edification that happens with a sermon, there actually can be with singing as well in the Psalms and the hymns. But yeah, I think it's, it's I just think it's a poor attitude. It says, well, I, it's worship is only good for me so long as I get, I yeah. receive from it. I guess the problem that sometimes comes up is, hey, we're singing songs that I've sung before. We're singing songs. I've, you know, a sermon should be new, I hope. I hope he's not preaching the same thing he preached last week, but we might come to the singing. It'll be the same thing we've sung for the last three weeks. I don't need that. Listen, our God deserves repeated, ongoing praise. Yes, mm-hmm. the new songs are great, and and there need to be new songs that we are learning to praise God new. But but those, well, I mean, these same psalms that we've had in the Psalter for thousands of years yeah. need to be said yes. and praised. And, and the praises that God deserved last week, he still deserves this week. Amen. How can I keep from singing? How can I keep from singing? Be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. How do we exalt him? We sing to him. We praise him. We will sing and praise your power. The mighty acts that he has done through the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is to be recognized, and it is to be recognized by singing saints. Well, I'm so glad that you joined us for the conversation on Psalm 21. Looking forward to next week talking about Psalm 22. Mm. And Lord willing, the week after that will be the 23rd Psalm. (laughs) (laughs) Got a couple of Psalms that people know pretty well coming up. Yeah, we do. We do. That's exciting. We'd love to know what you're reading and learning from the text. Send us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. It's texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's have a word of prayer. Edwin? God in heaven, you are the magnificent holy God. We lift up your might and your works. You are the God who created all things. You are the God who divided the Red Sea and brought Israel through. You are the God who called Abraham out and set apart your people. You are the God who opened up the ground and swallowed Achan, excuse me, swallowed Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. You're the God who who had your word and your will going forth from your people. You're the God that did all of these amazing things. And we're just in awe. We're in awe. But most of all for us, you're the God who sent your son, Jesus Christ, who lived in this world, who died on the cross, and on the third day broke forth from the grave. How can we keep from praising and singing to you? You are the awesome, holy God. Thank you. Thank you for being you. And thank you for letting us be your people. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. 
I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.